you want to turn to Philippians here and do something a little different. This is going to be the final message here from Philippians, and it's going to be a review. A little bit here to say just at the very beginning, and then basically uh, a long review here. So where the plan is actually to read through the whole book here, and I'm not going to read at all. I'm going to have other people come up and read one chapter at a time to kind of split it up and little thoughts in between each chapter. But to start, let's just read the very beginning and the very end because it starts and ends the same way. So if you want to start in one one, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then jump all the way to the end, chapter 4, verse 23. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So Paul begins and ends Philippians with grace, uh, a benediction in one way. He's it's, we talked about that. It's not necessarily a prayer, although it is, but it's actually asking God uh, at the beginning for there to be for Him to give grace. But let's just think for a minute about that word grace. You know, He put grace and peace at the beginning, but He ended just with grace. Why did He do that? Well, one of the reasons is it's important. In one way, the word grace summarizes could be a good summary of the gospel. You know, there's a story, I can't remember all the details, but basically there was a a Christian that taught at a college and all the other professors kind of were making fun of this professor that was a Christian, kind of picking on him, and they said, what's different about Christianity and all the other religions? And he just wrote the word grace on the board. And they stopped, kind of, um, because it is unique. Grace is totally unique to Christianity, to Jesus, that that is the gospel. And well, let's review here. We've done this before, and this is just a review, but it's good to hear what the word grace really means. Because, you know, growing up in church for years and years, I heard the word grace over and over. I could tell you verses with the word grace in it, but I really did not know what the word grace really meant. But the word grace could also be the word gift. It's a free gift. It's something that we don't deserve, and it's something that we haven't earned. It's free. It's unmerited favor is what Spurgeon said. Grace is a free gift, and there's times where it's just translated as a word gift. But to show, to kind of give an illustration, especially for the kids here, I'm going to do an illustration that I've actually done before, um, but to kind of get the kids interested and kind of a good picture of what the word grace means. So, let's see, we don't have very many kids here. Do we have, how many kids do we have that are 10 or under? 10 or under, any? Couple? Okay, here we go. Uh, I've actually done this before. It's a little bit different this time, but I want you to think here about what, what I'm about to say, Okay is that I have a dollar right up here for anyone, and it's absolutely free. All you have to do is just come up here and get it. So what do I have? Anybody? Ten or under? I have a dollar, and all you have to do, you could have a cup of hot chocolate or, I don't know, an ice cream cone, and all you have to do is just come up here and get it. Anybody believe that? got one. Okay, so here's your dollar. This is this is grace because you you can go back to your seat. This is grace because she didn't earn it. She just believed. She just had faith. She believed what I said. And if you notice the second time I did it, it was a lot quicker than the last time. I think kind of good illustration there of God, you know. He once we know what he's like, that he really means what he says, we're quicker to believe it. Now, 
here's uh this is where it's going to be a little different than the, than the next time. Okay, now what if I said um, what if I said I've got another dollar here, and all you have to do it's totally free. You just have to help me rake the leaves out in the churchyard afterwards. <laughs> it's a free gift. You, all you have to do is help me rake the leaves after the after the meeting. Is that is that grace? No. That's not a gift anymore because you're earning it. And the Bible says, if it's by grace, it's no longer by works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. That's Romans 11, 6. And so that's the difference between Christianity and every other religion. Now, here's the, here's the other thing. Now, this is what's called common grace. You know, there's some gifts that God gives us we have to believe to receive. That's salvation. He's offering us forgiveness and we have to trust him. But there's a lot of grace that God gives, free gifts that we don't deserve, that we don't even have to have faith in him, that he gives them without, without us even believing. People that, for example, the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. People that curse God, God will give them grace, give them a blessing. So, let's see. Anybody, was anybody, didn't quite believe I was going to give out a dollar? Anybody under 10? Or didn't have enough courage to come all the way up and get it? You right back there, perfect. So this is, I need to get my mask here. Actually, anybody else? Anybody else also not quite have the courage to come up and get get a dollar? No? Okay. Um, that is grace also. They didn't earn it. They didn't uh, do anything to deserve it. I think every, that turned out perfect with everyone. Smaller meeting is a good, good <laughs> way to do this. Um, because there's not very many under 10. Okay. That's really even a better picture of grace. You know, because God, even when we have little faith, he comes to us and He helps us. He draws near to us. You know, it makes me think of Jesus and the man who said, I believe, help my unbelief. It's like, here it is, and He's offering it, and we, we hear it, and we don't quite believe it, and He comes to us, and He's like, here it is, here it is, here it is. And that's what happened with all of us, isn't it? How many times have we heard the gospel, and we didn't come, we didn't receive, we didn't trust, and He just kept drawing near and drawing closer, making it even easier and just showing us over and over, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And so grace and faith really are united. Uh, grace, we receive grace through faith, but also grace leads to faith, that the gifts of God, that God's common grace should lead us to trust Him. Grace is a free gift, something we can't earn, something that's better than we deserve. A short story that might help just again something I've already said but it, grace would be like going to your trial you know you're on trial you know you're guilty and you come in and you say to the judge yeah I know I'm guilty I know that I deserve punishment but I'm actually expecting to receive a gift I heard I was I, I heard if I came you know I could get a gift and also not be you know I'm expecting not to be punished but even actually to receive a gift even though I deserve punishment that's the outrageousness of grace. And that's what God's promise. That's what a Christian is. That as Christians, that's what's going to happen. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of God, knowing 100% we deserve punishment. And what are we going to say? We're going to say, here I am. I've got open arms. you know, And I'm actually here expecting to receive a gift. The gift of eternal life. Well, don't you know you're a sinner? I know. I deserve punishment. But I'm expecting to receive a gift because you promised through Jesus to wash my sins away and to make me a son and to give me eternal life. That's unbelievable. That's outrageous. That's the claims of of Christianity. That's what Jesus offered us. And that's the word grace. That's the gospel. Better than we could ever earn. 
more than we could ever earn, better than we ever deserved. That's what grace is. It's a free gift. On the other hand, grace is costly to God. It's the grace of Jesus, isn't it? That's what it says. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Be with your spirit. Grace isn't free to God. Just like, were those dollars free? They were to those who received them, but they were costly to me. They had to cost me something to give it to you. It's the same with God. Grace is not only free, but it's costly. Christ died on the cross for our sins that we could know him. His blood is the most precious thing that ever existed in the world. He is the most precious material thing that was ever created. Jesus never created but became a man. God came in, took on a body. You know, Acts calls it the blood of God, which is crazy. The blood of God washes away our sins. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says, For by... For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, the free gift of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you might, by his poverty might become rich. It's a free gift that costs Jesus his blood, costs him coming down, becoming a man, and leaving his throne. So grace is free to us, it's costly to God. And one more thing briefly before we read these chapters here in Philippians. Grace is continual. Grace is continual. That we think a lot of times about grace being this one big gift of salvation, the washing away of our sin, the new life, regeneration sweeping into us. That's true. And yet, it's all all the time. That that benefit, that grace that comes through faith in Jesus starts at salvation and every instant the rest of your life all the way into eternity you're receiving grace and grace and grace and grace that's what Ephesians says in Ephesians 2 so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ for by grace you've been saved through faith it's not of your own doing it's the gift of God it's going to take eternity to show us the grace of God. Every day we wake up in eternity. After we die, no more sin, no more suffering with God. Every day we're going to wake up and know, today I deserve to be in hell and I'm not. And that's grace. And the next day, today I deserve to be in hell and I'm not. And that's grace. And all the way through the end, through eternity. That's how long it's going to take. And that's the way it is with our present life. Grace, free gift. Over and over and over. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that, having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Every situation you're in, God is pouring grace into your life. Yet you can't earn it, you don't deserve it, and He's helping, and He's giving, and He's freely giving help to you. He's giving wisdom to you. Everything you need at the moment, God's grace is pouring it out into your life. And that's where Paul begins and ends. And that really could cover everything we've talked about. And that's the plan from here to the end is just to review Philippians and just talk about what grace is really written over all of it. And so I think David, I think, is going to read here Philippians 1 for us. And then uh, we'll just have a few thoughts on that. So Philippians 1, 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. 
for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers in the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better." Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Jonathan Edwards says, Grace is first from God, so it is continually from him, as much as the light is all day long from the sun. That's what grace is like. It's this continual outpouring. You know, the sun, if it flickered on and off, even a hundred times a second, it wouldn't be what it is. For us to see, for us to see things, for the world to be like it is, there has to be every thousandth or millionth of a second fresh light pouring in and pouring in and pouring in and pouring in and the second that it hits it's gone and that's the way grace is in our life god is not just giving it to us once he's pouring it out constantly 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 and if even for a moment it stopped it would be dark and here we are at the end of philippians and think about all these things we've talked about think about the prayer life of Paul, how we talked about the prayer life of Paul, how much he loves others, thanks God for others. Don't we want to be like that? Don't we want in our hearts to just have a deep love for the people of God, have a deep dependence on God in prayer? There's grace for that. What do we need? Grace from God to help us. And he's promised it. Grace, not that we earn it, not that we merit it, not that we work hard enough, but that there's an almighty God who wants to help us. And he's there. And he's got grace for the moment, for today, for tomorrow, for the next day, and the next day, and on and on.
participants in the gospel. We want to be participants, don't we? We want to be participants in the going out of the gospel, the proclaiming of the gospel. Is it easy? No. Is success guaranteed? Yes, because of the grace of God. Not every time you share is somebody to be converted, but the gospel will advance. And every time you share, there's going to be grace from God to help. It's hard. It's not easy. There's people that are harder to share with than others. There's people that need to hear over and over and over. But in every situation where you have the opportunity to share, to be a participant in the gospel, God has got grace for you there. It's not something that you have to be good enough, not something you have to know all the right answers. It's the grace of Jesus. He'll give you the words. He'll help you in the moment. What about difficult circumstances you're in? It's like Paul here in prison. He says it's grace. They're partakers of grace with him. And it's been graced to them, granted to them, to suffer for Christ. And not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. You have difficult circumstances. It's hard to believe that God has a good purpose, that he's working it out for good, just like Paul here. God used this difficult thing, even the tension here in the church, for good. And ended up saving people in Caesar's household. Using it to encourage others to boldness. What about you? You've got hard circumstances. There's grace for that. God's there with you. God's going to help you every moment. Not just now, not just tomorrow, all the way to the end. God has grace for you. You don't have to earn it. You you sin, you feel like, no, there, you know, now, I've, now I've blown it, there's grace. God's going to help you. It's not because you deserve it, not because you had a, a day where you didn't sin, not because you've done all the things right, it's because of the grace of God. He's going to help you in this circumstance. And it may very well be, may very well be that the the difficult circumstance is grace in your life. It's drawing you near to God. That without it, you wouldn't be clinging to Him as you would have. William Grinnell says, Great comforts do indeed bear witness to the truth of God's grace, but not to the degree of it. The weak child is oftener in the lap than the strong one. You might think at first glance that if you want to see the grace of God or you think, you see the grace of God on someone's life that it's somebody with an easy life, with the life where they've got everything they want. But it may not be. It may be the person that has more difficulty, that has more grace, uh, because that is driving them into the lap of God, into the arms of God. There's grace. Whatever difficulty you're going through, just like Paul here, God is using it for a good purpose. And then finally from chapter 1, the last thought that we talked about was shame. Both misplaced and rightly placed shame. If your shame is over your sin, there's grace for that. We can be sure that we're not going to be ashamed because of Jesus. If there's misplaced shame, things that you feel shame that have something you shouldn't feel shame about, your appearance, how God made you look, you're tall, you're short, um, something that is not your fault, whatever it is, if you feel shame, the answer still is Jesus. There's grace for that. Jesus is there. Jesus wants to help you. Aren't we thankful that it's not based on us deserving or earning it, but in every situation, difficult situation, God's here with us and he wants to help us. Now let's read Philippians 2 here. And have Jim read it. Chapter 2, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. 
Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have also always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work of his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have no I will have reason <clears throat> to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. But I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly so that I may also be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no, else of, no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately, as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself will also will be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly to say, eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold all men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Well, we want unity, don't we? Unity in Christ-likeness. We want to have the mind of Christ. We want to be unified in that way. Where does that come from? Can we earn it? No, it's by the grace of God. We can look to Him. He came to show us through His life and death on the cross, but He also came to purchase purchase unity for us by His blood. What else here? Just the 
grace just of God becoming a man here. Just this section of the Christ hymn. He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself. What grace that is. We don't deserve that. We couldn't have asked God. There's a quote, something like, if all the angels in heaven became worms, that would have been a millionth of Jesus becoming a man. Jesus humbled himself infinitely more. That God took on flesh. What grace that we could see. What is God like? Here, he came to show us. Praise the Lord. And we know it. We can see it. Uh, read it. Read about it. He, he preserved what he was like through his word as well. Praise the Lord for that. We want to be lights in the world. We want to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And yet, there's grace. It's not, we don't deserve it, we don't work it out because we're trying to earn it. We work it out because God's working in us, because he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion. Praise God that the Christian life is grace from beginning to the end, all the way to the end. We want to be lights in the world, don't we? We want to do all things without grumbling. God will give us grace. Now, haven't we all failed there? Aren't we glad that it's by grace? Don't we want to be better? Don't we want to be more uh, content, more joyful, more trusting in the Lord? Praise God, it's grace. He's going to help us. We can trust Him. Even when we're struggling, He'll come right down to us and help and help and help. Even when we're short on faith, He'll come and help us. Timothy and Epaphroditus, don't, I want to be more like Timothy, genuinely concerned about others' welfare, really loving others more. One thing for sure about myself that um, I've really seen through Philippians is just his love for people. And for me, what that looks like is just praying a lot, God, I really don't love this person. You know, I'm trying to pray about their problem. You know, they've. I know they have this hard situation going on and it just doesn't bother me that much I'm not praying really like I would if it was my child or if it was my wife or I'm just I don't love them very much would you help me and praise the Lord there's grace both to cover my sin and to help me on and to bring me on to help me to love people more that this next year all of us through the grace of God are going to love people more than we did last year because he's going to help us and not only that, when we fall short, he's going to cover our sin by his blood. And very thankful for grace. Want to be, we want to be like Jesus. And even Epaphroditus here, another example of Christ, this other-mindedness, thinking about others, putting others before himself, even to the point of death, God was gracious there and helped him. You know, we don't get tomorrow's grace today, and whenever it comes time to die, even if it's for Jesus or otherwise, there's grace there. Praise the Lord. In this case, it didn't, it didn't, he didn't die. He made it through, and that was grace to Paul, mercy on Paul. He said he would have been um, just overly sorrow, sorrowful over that. So that's a summary there of all the things we talked about from Philippians chapter 2 and how there's grace for us, and we're going to read chapter 3. Darren's going to read this for us. <clears throat> Philippians 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. 
Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Well, rejoicing in the Lord. We talked about that many times. Praise the Lord again. That is by grace. We fail to rejoice. There's grace to cover that. We want to rejoice in the future. There's grace to help. What about our confidence? Our confidence going forward is in our performance, our law keeping, our rule keeping, whether we've read the Bible every day, whether how much we pray. No, none of that. Our confidence is in Jesus, who he is, and that it's going to be on grace tomorrow, just like it was the first day we believed. It's based on grace, not based on my performance. It's based on Jesus' blood, Jesus' perfect righteousness. It's never going to be based on how well I'm doing today. It's always going to be based on Jesus, and that's grace. It's a gift. It's not something that I could ever earn or deserve. His perfect life is counted for me and not only that not only does he count his perfect righteousness I get to know him that's grace isn't it that's amazing that we get to know God at all that is an amazing gift worth Paul says losing everything for the one gift better than all that we have if we have to lay it all down that's worth it knowing Jesus and what do we do we press on we're pressing on to make Christ We're not pressing on to make Christ our own. We're pressing on because Christ already made us his own. We're not perfect. Praise the Lord. It's on grace because none of us are perfect. But we're pressing on. We want to be more like Christ. And one day we will be. We will be perfect. Because we worked really hard. No, because Jesus. Because of what Jesus did for us. Because he made us his own. That's why one day we'll be perfect. What grace that we could be called brothers of one another. What grace that we're not enemies of the cross anymore. Grace that we're going to be citizens. We are citizens of heaven. And one day we're going to be be there. Not just citizens by right, but actually living heaven on earth with the Lord who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Wow. Praise the Lord. Let's finish up Philippians here. Read chapter 4. four one. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me, in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, 
whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now, at length, you have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel I left Macedonia. When I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Well, what about Philippians 4? Oh, disagreements. There's disagreements in the church. There have been, there will be. Praise God, there's grace to cover. And there's grace to help. We want to be pure. We want to have um, limit our disagreements to only what would honor God. Whatever We talked about what's profitable, what's upbuilding, what's being respectful and thinking about what's essential. And we want, we want to do that. But ultimately, it's not our ability to remember or discern or figure it all out or just do it all just right. There's grace to help. It's hard. It's not easy to know when to agree in the Lord and when to put your foot down. But God will give us grace. He's going to help us. His, he'll cause all grace to abound to us so that we can be, we can do every good work He's given us to do. Rejoicing in the Lord always again. Grace to help. Being anxious for nothing. Praise the Lord. There's grace to help. Grace to cover our sin, grace to help us in our anxiety, grace to help. We can access it in prayer. We can ask God. Thankfulness. We want to be thankful. Is it easy every day to wake up thankful for all that we have? It's not easy to just be aware of everything God's given us just constantly throughout the day, but God will help us. We want our mind, our attention, our thinking to be f focused on what's pure and honorable and true and right and good. God will help us. He can help us. He can forgive us where we've failed. And he can, He's got grace today and tomorrow, every moment, like the sun shining down on us continually. God's continually going to pour out help and help and help and help. Not only in our thinking, but practice. We want to not just be knowers of things, thinkers about things. We want to live like Jesus, don't we? We don't want to be like the Pharisees that talk and talk and have all these conversations and don't live out the basic things that God has asked us to do. We want reality overflowing into our lives. And there's grace to cover when, we're, when it when it isn't, and grace to help every moment.
God wants that for us. He wants it for He wants us not to be hypocrites, and He's going to help us every every moment. God is there, ready to give and give and give and help and help and help. And we can just ask God, "Be with me, help me." And He's willing and able and wants to. Thomas Watson says. Does God give us a crust and will he de- does does God give us a Christ and will he deny us the crust if God does not give us what we crave he will give us what we need if Jesus gave us Christ, if God became a man if the father sent Christ if Jesus came down and gave us himself what is God not going to give us he's going to give us all that we need he may not give us all that we want but he's going to give us all that we need and he's going to help us There's grace for contentment. We want to be content with what God has given us, and he'll help. He'll help. And then finally, Paul thanks the Philippians. He thanks them for sharing in his trouble, for supporting him financially, and just being being there with him, being his, his friend and partner in the gospel. So I thought that would be a good time just to say, um, thankful to you all, uh, because you all, support me and uh, have enabled me to work full-time here at the church and not to be doing both. And just want to say thanks that that's been a huge grace of God in our life. And it means a lot. And um, I'm I'm very thankful. I know that uh, I want to be more um, and and do more with the great responsibility and time that you guys enable me to to study and pray and call call people and read and things like that. But I'm very thankful. It's a gift. Uh, it's grace from God to me and to my family for sure. Um, I think about a few times in this last. Oh, year and a half, I remember uh, sitting down at dinner with Jess and thinking and saying, when was the last time I sat down to eat dinner with you guys? And we're like, last week? <laughs> it's like it had been a whole week. And that happened multiple times. It's like with a full-time job, it was just too much, you know. Um, and it was really hard. Uh, and I'm very thankful that we don't have to do that anymore. That, um, And that's because you guys... Have it's, it was kind of you to share my trouble, both encouragements from you guys and support there, and so I'm very thankful for that. And that's just one short story, but there's a lot of things I could share on that. But I just wanted to say thanks because that's what he does here, and just say what grace it is that we're not in this alone, isn't it? Yes. What if you're the only Christian? I mean, there's stories. You know, you can read in church history where, or even in the Bible where people thought, am I the only one? You know, where is the fellowship? Where is God's people? But we're not. We're not alone. We've got each other. I'm very thankful that um, I'm thankful for this church, thankful for all of you, for all the encouragement that you guys pour into one another, pour into me and my family and God's grace. God's grace that we're not alone. Well, let's just conclude by this and just say, I'm thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful that we got to go through Philippians. And even just preparing this, it made me think, I can't live the Christian life because I've got all my ducks in a row and I know all the things God wants me to do. It's like, I prepared all these messages. I could not have given you the list, you know, because I forgot. I just can't hold it all in my mind. Certainly can't hold it all in my mind every day. Then praise the Lord that it's grace. The Christian life is grace and God will help in the moment. You don't have to remember everything all at once because you've got the Spirit and God's going to help you. And you get into a situation, what should I do here? He'll bring a verse to your mind. And even when he doesn't, the Spirit will help guide you. You might not even be able to think of a verse. But God will help. God will give grace. 
and help us to grow, help us to be like Jesus, help us to share the gospel, help us to love one another all the way to the end. And that's something to be thankful for. Let's pray together. Father, we do just come to you and we're thankful. And we just lift up just all our sins to you too. Just forgive us and we're thankful that we can come just with certainty that you want and are able to forgive our sins. And we don't have to twist your arm or um, anything like that. You want to forgive and you've provided your son for to make the way for us to be forgiven, we're thankful. And Jesus, we're thankful that you became a man and died for our sins and that we could be we could be called your brother and we're very thankful. And we're thankful that you didn't choose the most capable, you just came and made it based on grace and we're thankful for that. Thankful that you love us despite us and thankful you're going to bring us on to the end we do ask that you'd help us and as we go through this upcoming week and month and year would you help us not to get anxious um, and start be looking at our performance or looking at the circumstances but to just be certain of your grace that your help and the difficulty help in every way that you you, you said you would uh, make all grace overflow to us so we would have all that we need and so we're just looking to you for help thank you for this church I do pray that we could be more like you this upcoming year that you would help us as individuals and help us as a church we want to love one another more would you help us help us to encourage one another more we just lift it all up to you and we're thankful that you hear us and that you love us and you want to answer. And we think one more thing, uh, just thinking about this new year. Think about the kids and many lost children and we know that our kids don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to have you save them. We can't earn it or just do all the right things. But we're asking that you would because of grace. And we just lift that up to you and lift all these kids here up to you. Amen. I think we're